Hey guys, I'm Jen. Quick intro before we get into this juicy episode with Rich Fitzgerald. Just want to say thank you for subscribing and hitting that play button. We do hope you get some really cool takeouts from this content. It was a very interesting interview with Rich. We had so much fun recording it, but we did hit a few minor issues with the audio. Please forgive us for that. We're working super hard to make sure that you have the best listening experience. So stay tuned, enjoy this episode, and feel free to hit us up on our social media channels with any feedback afterwards. Good morning. It is Wednesday morning. We're back on the show. Thank you very much for joining us today. We're very excited to have Rich from Loving Dubai. Um, he's got a lot to tell us. Uh, very inspiring entrepreneurial Dubai-based journey. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot to learn from him today. So Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Hi, Daddy. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I've seen a lot of your shows, so it's good to be finally in the hot seat. In the hot seat, yeah. <laughs> Between me and Daly, we've got lots of questions to do today. Okay, yeah. okay. I feel like I'm in deposition or something. <laughs> Please better be careful. <laughs> as, as our viewers will know, um, a lot of the show is about, it's about you as a person. It's, it is um, the creator session, so it's not necessarily just drilling into the business per se, but also um, if you think about, we're going to be talking to other people that are entrepreneurs, people that might be in full-time employment, um, um, others that might have just started their businesses um, and looking for a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of guidance. And to be honest, in the media space, I think you're the best guy for the job. So Amazing. Well, I'm so, flattered yeah. and equally very impressed with what you guys are doing. So it's great to be here. Thank you very much. And um, we don't have Dio on the show. We have <laughs> Dali on the show. Close, but not quite. Um, Dali is our head of social media, for those that don't know Dali. Um, so great to have your perspective on the show as well, mate. So Thanks. thank you very much for coming and yeah, joining excited us. Excited to be here. Yeah. Both of you were actually social media directors at one time. You are now and you certainly were before. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, a lot yeah. in common. Lots, yeah. of, lots in common. So Rich, look, start from the beginning. Tell us your story of, of your, uh, your Dubai story. You arrived here and what happened? How did it all start? Yeah, so uh, I arrived, uh, background, I'm from Ireland. I got into advertising. I found it like a hard industry to navigate from the outside. Mm -hmm. I studied business and a language. Okay. And I got into it in Ireland in 20, 2007, uh, and then I moved to a big social media agency in London, big media agency, very excited about working on the Olympics in London. Okay. Just before the Olympics started, I got offered a role to set up a social media uh, department for Mindshare, Middle okay. East and North Africa. I'd never been to Dubai. Okay. So I got on a plane on uh, Friday, June 2nd, 2012. Okay. Uh, stayed in. That the, was right before the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like weeks before. Yeah, yeah. July twenty. It was my birthday. Olympics started on twenty seventh July twenty twelve, uh, and I came here, stayed in the hotel for a month. Yeah. Went, spent three months, literally, in that office. Like, okay. you know, didn't know, didn't know the region, didn't see Dubai, okay. and kind of grew from there. Like, spent okay. three good and a half good years at Mindshare. Loved every minute of it. Uh, you know, we, we set up a social media department in Beirut. We were working in Iraq and Cairo, all, all over the place. And it was really, really interesting. Um, uh, so that, that was really my intro into the region, into okay. Dubai. And that was, the, that was the media spend side of social? It, well, actually, because it wasn't, it was the opposite. We actually okay. mon monetized and set up the community management content and social media listening side. Okay. The media spend was happening in the agency. Okay. But you know, I wanted to almost prove at the time that you could make a social media department profitable. Like they, they thought in London at the time that you couldn't and it was, you know, community management wasn't possible. But the We Are Social mentality and the conversation agency like A Thousand Heads, the mentality of the time, especially the kind of 2010 mentality was that you could. And then, of course, everyone did, you know, yeah. it, it was yeah. something that you couldn't. And then as soon as you saw how, yeah. as soon as our rate cards were shared around the <laughs> industry, 
And as soon as the social media listening tools that came in and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And then the prices went down, 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 down. And then the content calendars and the two posts and the stock images. And then the- Stock images and the line of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How easy it used to be. Yeah, It was so easy. It was so easy. And we weren't, you know, we were like literally, you know, we were doing that out of Beirut in a way for like 30, 40 clients across the region, you know, mm -hmm. social, Nissan, Infinity, uh, Nike, and HSBC, uh, first agency in the world to get true compliance to set up okay. uh, bank accounts for HSBC in the UAE and stuff like that. So there was a lot of milestones, there was a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and that was, yeah, an amazing, amazing time. Um, and, you know, in the background, I always, you know, like when, when you start off in advertising, in an agency or whatever, people kind of, for whatever reason, people say that there's 10 years in, in this for you, or are you, are you mm -hmm. kind of, you know, like, are you set up your thing or you get burnt out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in London, I did see that people kind of elevated up and there was new roles. And in the US, you've got VP roles and, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in London, strategic roles and things like that. So you could have had a longer career, but I always, in the back of my mind, had the idea of doing something myself. Okay, okay, interesting. I'm Look, at what, at what point, so you were there, so you spent the three years in, in Mindshare, and at, at what point did it, did it hit you? What, what was that turning point? So there's two sides to this. One, when we normally have this conversation, there's often a personal journey. Yeah. Something happens, um, whatever that might be. Maybe some people, I mean, in my case, I, I lost my job. And then I tried to replicate my job as a business and, and kind of grew it from there. Other people just burn out and they had enough and then they, you know, they pull the plug. Um, so one's a personal journey. And then often another one is, is spotting a gap in the market and then saying, right, I see, I see based on everything that I'm dealing with in my day-to-day -day business, I see that there's a real gap there. My current company is not plugging that gap. I can't see any of our competitors plugging it. I'm going to take that leap and I'm going to jump in there. So how did it work for you from the personal side and then also maybe, let's say, the opportunistic side? Yeah, I think for me, you know, I obviously, you know, went on and set up a, what I call a new media company. It's a modern media company where a publisher... Let's define that for people that might not know exactly yeah. what new media means. New, new media, for me, it's, it's perpetual changing media consumption mm -hmm. so all the new media formats and and media derives from mediums it's how the medium we, we whether uh, how we consume whether okay. it's print audio uh, radio outdoor tv they're all mediums mm -hmm. uh, so new media would be essentially new mediums okay uh, so the evolving nature of old media uh and i think it's perpetual i think you can you can say a uh, content company or social media company but i think uh modern media company yeah sure uh at some point modern isn't modern and with new media uh we basically by saying by putting that on a as what we want to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, we say we, our mission is to become the new media company of choice in the middle east yeah. uh, and north africa how we define that is that if consumers choose our brands to consume their media, mm -hmm. and we talk a bit about that on Love in Dubai, and I know you've got a question on, on that sort of memes and content, but uh, you know, and then if, if people are consuming your audience, yeah. uh, you know, imagine if, uh, if 
Viacomers are, you know, if MTV back in the day, if they were a new media and if they kept evolving, yeah. it's, it's, it forces you to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, so equally, like if you look at how many views Love in Dubai has on TikTok this week, yeah. uh, it's quarter of a million. And I know it'll be 10 million. I'm just putting it out there. I bet we'll get 10 million views a month by December and then, and then watch everyone else do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but this, but this it's, it's our forefront. It's our strategy. It's what we want to achieve. Interesting. I mean, look, the, obviously, consumer the consumer is changing at a, at, a, at, a, at a rapid rate, and it's something that we focus on a lot as well in terms of you know, positioning ourselves as a mobile first business and in, in, in everything that we do. You know, we're building web, um, obviously, the, uh, a lot of the content that we're doing for like the TVC style work, but specifically for mobile consumption. So, therefore, messaging construct changes, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, so, there's, a, there's quite a lot of overlap. So, I really see um, obviously the, the market and the benefit in terms of what you're doing. You're taking it to an even, um, yeah. I'd, I'd say, sort of even further along that route. Uh, in, in terms of certainly the diversification. We've got different audiences. You know, what Create Media does really well is we talked about social media, wh- where it was in 2012 and 2015, and it's evolved to this place where, which is what you're doing now, yeah. that quality storytelling video content mm-hmm. for clients. And, you know, any clients who, cons- who watch what you're doing should jump in on that space because yeah. it's the most effective way to engage to get communication across um, and so it, you know it's I think you guys are pioneers in that space okay. whereas whereas on, on our side we're effectively we're allowed to be ahead because uh, we're not uh, doing it for clients we're doing it for news and for lifestyle and for um, media yeah. etc mm-hmm. and if a client wants to be in the middle of that great yeah um, but uh, there's many other ways to have diversified revenue models in a publishing in a in a media company okay. as opposed to in a client service company. Yeah, I mean you can align a lot closer with the end consumer rather than, as you said, we're producing for yeah. the client who wants to speak to the end consumer. Yeah. You're speaking directly to the end yeah, consumer. Yeah, and we can have direct consumer media subscription models, uh, yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't answer your last question. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a se- clever segue, but I actually just didn't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, yeah, so the, what will I answer? Go back to the yeah, yeah, turning yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think like, you know, whenever anyone is making a jump, like the, there's pressure, especially with startups, mm-hmm. especially uh, to have a new idea to, to, you know, should it be an app and then how do I fund it and et cetera and all this stuff and does it need to be different? And, uh, you know, I was kind of, I had a really well-paid job. So for me to do social media agency in 2015 yeah. and to leave that and to go in, we're doing it the same way that I saw done in Dublin and London and wherever six years before, mm. I didn't feel confident to do it. So I didn't okay. do it. Okay. And I remember talking to one or two uh, investors here a year before, uh, you know, willing to put in maybe a quarter million dollars. And the feedback from them was, oh, he'll never be ready, sort of thing. Because I, mm. I didn't feel ready, right? Okay. And uh, I remember uh, after three, three years or so, I got a new boss here. Uh, he was here about eight months, a guy called Nicholas, South African, who spent a lot of his life in America. And uh, he, he, he was kind of a mentor. He converted me to paleo. He got me uh, thinking differently. He was a really, really nice guy. And I understood from him like, what's important, you know, and what makes me happy, kind of the, the training, the fitness, and, yeah. and also work as well. Okay. So I remember uh, having to kind of, I remember having issues with some 
uh, kind of staff and stuff. And yeah. um, I had to fly down to Beirut to let someone go. And I remember being on the plane on the way back and I messaged uh, the founder of a, a tech startup company here. Mm. And I said, who we were working with as a partner. And I kind of wrote uh, a, a kind of a, on the plane, I basically pitched to be MD for that company. Okay. Met the board, became MD. Because of the gardening leave summer thing, there was three months that summer. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, start, start, start. And I was yeah. like, well, you know, they, can't they, they won't let me go. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. like we're in the middle of a, of a, of a full year retainer stuff. My hours are billed, like it's sure. replacements, all that stuff. So, but, I, but, I, but also I looked at um, media publishing and it was at the time when new media, when Facebook, you know, you know what kind of happened, right? Um, Facebook tried to, Facebook were threatened by Twitter, just like they were by Snapchat. Mm. And they tried to buy them. They tried to kind of get news. So they were threatened by news. So they allowed news to enter the news feed uh, more because mm-hmm. they thought that Twitter has this, place where people go for news so they allowed media publishers yeah. to get into the news feeds and then and then um uh with the ice bucket challenge they wanted to do video right ice bucket challenge correct me if I'm wrong it was about 2014 or whatever mm-hmm. and they started having view counts up first so all of a sudden you've got all these publishers just going wow like these yeah. billions of views in the u.s like you know, Group Nine Media is a company we model ourselves on with the Dodo and Thrillist and now this and all that. They own all them. Mm-hmm. So um, in Dublin, a friend of mine had set up Love in Dublin okay. and it was uh, and he was ripping content and publishing content and the views were going up. But I loved the mantra. I loved the positive mm. mentality. I love the brand. Like okay. it's McDonald's tagline. It's a strong, yeah. you know, it's a strong brand. It's very hard. Like people have tried to kind of, people see Love in Dubai over the last few years and they kind of go, oh, let's set up this, let's do this. Hmm. But a real, real point of difference is that kind of brand that kind of tags into. Yeah, because there was other, um, do you remember the name you might, the, there was another brand before you started Love in Dubai that was trying to do something similar. Um, but I don't think that they said, was it like ins- Insider? Yeah, Insider is still around yeah, and they do around? some good content. Okay. Yeah, I, I just hadn't really heard of them because they're, in my mind, I, so when I think back, I, at the time I was thinking it was like a BuzzFeed style. Yeah. That was a kind of like a, the concept content idea. Yeah, BuzzFeed's um, a better point of reference, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but I, I mean, I wasn't sort of related. I mean, so the BuzzFeed was what I had in my head and I saw them trying to do something. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And then you guys opened. I didn't know you at the time. And then you guys started doing what you were doing. And I was like, okay, well, there's, you know, there's a real space in this market. Yeah. But you just went from zero to hero in that space very, very quickly. Yeah. And really started to grow. Um, so talk us through, the, you, you set up Loving Dubai out of Astrolabs, right? Yeah. So it's a Google incubator, um, started there, you employed two people. Yeah. <clears throat> How did that then start to, to roll? Yeah, so I, I basically, again, with a friend, wrote uh, a 10 year franchise agreement. Okay. When they, they weren't franchised, they weren't growing the company. Uh, they hadn't decided how to do it yet. Uh, so we kind of took the initiative, took the lead. But I set up Augustus. So Augustus is actually my kind of middle name or confirmation name, but it's after the Roman emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that sort of idea of... Uh, that's your holding company, right? Yeah, so yeah, it, that's our kind of group company, Augustus. So that was registered at Astrolabs, but Love in Dubai was the, the brands that we started with. And after about eight or 10 months, I was MD of one company and watching what... Uh, a very experienced journalist and a good social media person was doing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, from an outside I'm loving and kind of going, oh, I feel like we should do it this way, you know? <laughs> and eventually like it came to the point where I had to kind of let go of a salary and I had to jump in. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, to your point, we launched on the 1st of September, 2015. We, we had a quarter of a million page views in the first month. There was 23 reasons uh, you, you, you must visit Dubai once in your life or something like that. There was a listicle that just went viral because okay. we copied the model from BuzzFeed <clears throat> to other markets. Sure. And then the other thing that we realized is that, you know, it, it, call it hustle or call it whatever you want, but we had a daily page view target and we just growth hacked. We didn't stop. We mm. published 14, 16 hours a day, every day of the week. Uh, and you know, by by, and we said, well, yeah, full time. Like I, I used to, I used to start publishing. I used to check the stats at five a.m. every morning yeah. and start publishing. I'm not an editor. I'm semi. I don't want to disrespect dyslexia, but I, I do typos all the time. Uh, and uh, on the first of May, 2016, uh, I became editor of Love in Dubai mm -hmm. uh, for a year. And when I stopped, when I hired someone else to be editor a year later, yeah. uh, we had 3.2 million page views in June, 2017. Wow. Uh, but there's a few things happened in between. Uh, so uh, we weren't, we had no business revenue. We'd lost any kind of savings and friends round. Um, are we running out of time already? No, 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 So, so we'd lost like, you know, uh, we started in 2015, by mid summer 2016, I was scraping to okay. keep the business going. Like I was doing some social media client work. Mm. Uh, so yeah. jumping on that, because again, something I read from one of the, um, the articles I read, I read that, that you'd actually put up, <clears throat> and Dali have an opinion on this as well. Um, you spoke about it being a publishing business and then you were also trying to be a social media agency at the time. Yeah. So how did, how did that go hand in hand based on like, we know that everything that goes into building a successful social media business and it's so we're all in on that so how how are you balancing yeah the two? I, I, that, that really, that you obviously went down the, the publishing route in the end yeah but was that was that just needs must at the time or was uh, well, it was my comfort zone the social media agency i knew how okay. to do it and also uh there was a third part there was this SaaS. we actually were repping Brandwatch out of the uk the okay. social media listening because you did mention that in the article that I read and I wasn't sure what the actual yeah. product was. Yeah. Um, so you said, but you obviously got that license in, but didn't sell any of it. Couldn't sell us. Yeah. Okay. We didn't know how I'm not a salesperson, <laughs> okay. you know, and, and yeah, we were doing three things. The, the thing, the reason why it is hard to do other than, um, you know, go, having to have all the different full service stack, mm. it's hard because of conflict. It's hard to do media publishing yeah. and agency, but the trend at the time, uh, was to have branded content studios. Mm. New York Times said T brand. Um, everyone has one. Vice have Virtue. Um, Lab Bible have Joe Ride. Mm -hmm. um, and we now have Odium. But yeah. it was important for us to differentiate that Odium isn't a social media agency. Mm. Odium will never sign a retainer with a client and get their plans. Sure. We'll never strategize mm -hmm. because that's conflict. Sure. And then as soon as you do that, mm. you can't do another restaurants on Lovin because, you know, so all we, all ODM is is white label what's yeah. on Lovin Dubai. Sure. So Lovin Dubai, if you want a video with the reach or a podcast, or if you want, it, it's one package. Mm. So you basically get the content and the reach. Yeah. Um, and that's how we, and we guarantee the views. So that's how we, we worked with the sponsor content model mm -hmm. and tried to kind of bring that to the market and, and say that, you know, it's more than an influencer post 
and this is to answer the question, we said we, said we were a publisher and an agency in terms of agency mindset. Yeah. So our sales team aren't salespeople. Okay. They're, uh, they're, they're client service. It's a client service team because they, ha- they have marketing degrees. Mm. They have to understand. Yeah. You can't really tell a good story and branded content. Yeah, um, our, our tr- traditionally, publishers, sales was, you know, the sales, there was a wall between the offices yeah. because the, the print ad would be between the editorial and it didn't cross. Yeah. Whereas we cross it, but we say we cross it. Mm-hmm. And we say that this isn't, we don't like the word advertorial yeah. because advertorial doesn't speak in a native way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't speak like an influencer does. It doesn't persuade effectively. Um, and branded content in its pure essence uh, is getting that authoritative voice, either an influencer voice or a media publisher voice. And, you know, there are bad examples of it, but the, the, mod, the model, so I mentioned the model that was branded content studios in around 2015. The model now, the trend in publishing and media is just to have diversified re- revenue. Mm-hmm. So to have subscription, to have some e-commerce element as a brand, mm-hmm. whether that's swag or whether that's whatever, or whether that's a direct-to-consumer element. So direct-to-consumer is something that is non-B2B. So we have the Love and Cruise. Yeah. So we partner with Platinum List and we, we sell tickets to an event. Yeah. That's the only time we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we might do that with subscription. We're doing subscription with Smashy. Um, and then we might have Odium for what level. So we're not, we're not like, uh, our revenue growth is, is purely as a publisher would grow. It's yeah. not like uh, 10X growth, like a, an app would grow and mm-hmm. we're not VC backed or whatever. Um, so a modern media company or new media company would be platform agnostic in terms of reaching consumers, but business model also needs to be diverse. Yes, some areas you can monetize more and some areas are hotter, uh, but uh, we, we like to look at other areas and see how we can monetize them too. Yeah. Going back Daddy, to- sorry. <laughs> going back to Odium, you said you, you had set up your own like, media studio. I remember you mentioning it's an insight-led kind of media studio. So what does that mean? Like, what was the purpose of that media studio? How does it serve Long in Dubai? Yeah. And what kind of insights do you guys use for that? So I think like, um, I think data is a much branded term, you know, like uh, data and big data can be seen uh, in terms of effectively in terms of advertising on social networks and negatively, you know, the the, what, what we've seen, the, the pressure, the privacy, the Facebook, et cetera, coming under. Um, but our, our view on data is, is much, more, uh, much more simple. Like, it's just looking for signals. It's just looking, you know, we know of, of 14 million unique page views last year on Love in Dubai. I think I, think I would double check that. But uh, there's about 10, I think there's about 10 million unique individuals on Love in Dubai last year. The highest point, the highest interest point was value deals and shopping. The highest, highest point, not food, not travel, not sports, not vertical based. Um, that might be to do with the economic situation. It might be to do with value, but it might be People to do- People looking with, for deals at the end of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. People looking for deals. Exactly. And then if you, if you then create an, a content around that, you no, know, I love the amazing storytelling work that you guys do with Emirates or whatever. What we would do with Emirates is write an article saying you've got 30% off to watch yeah. the game in Al Nasser. Yeah. And they couldn't believe the 
the fulfillment of it, yeah. even though the tickets were 50 dirhams. Yeah. You know, like it's amazing. It's amazing. Like if you pick that data point, yeah. you can get a result. And talking just when we were talking offline, um, before the show, the questions you had about uh, the content strategy as well, which were interesting. Yeah, so back to the part you said, like you have the ability or kind of the advantage of jumping into things that other brands wouldn't actually jump into um, or would wait for other brands to jump into first, like TikTok, for example. A lot of brands right now are a little bit wary, yeah. like, should we do it, should we not? Yeah, uh, get in, yeah. get in, go. <laughs> yeah. It's just not quite understanding it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, does, does that target audience fit what I'm yeah. what trying to speak yeah. to? And, and, it, and that is a box that people stay in for way too long. Yeah. And then they don't realize that, okay, well, we should be speaking to people that are outside yeah. this box because at some point they will move into that box. Yeah. yeah. And surprisingly, the biggest brands are the ones who actually wait for everyone else to join yeah. until they actually decide to join. Uh, but a big part of that is the humor and meme content that, yeah. that you put on your page, especially on Instagram. Yeah. You'd see the feed that like half of it is actually humor. Um, wh why did you decide to jump into that? And if any brand is trying to get into this meme strategy kind of thing, yeah. what would you advise them to do? So I think the answers to both questions is about what's the strategy. So mm. like I remember always if a new platform comes up, a strategy or a new trend, like the bottle flip or whatever, all this sort of stuff, don't, don't jump on it unless you're gonna jump on every one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're, if, you're, um, if you're a leading edge, if you're gonna jump on every trend, then it's easier to plan for it. It's easier, if, you're, if Agile is your strategy, then do it. If Agile isn't your strategy, it's a lame attempt that's a week late because it's like, I like that or some, enthusiastic brand manager, social yeah. media exec will kind of go, we should be doing that. Yeah, you should, but you so should be doing it all the time. And you yeah. should have had sign off a year before, yeah. not on the idea, but an, an, a sign off on the strategy. So yeah. then you but know, we know that's not the case, right? We know it's like someone gets excited. And it's exactly. Like, My daughter has been doing exactly. XYZ and, and, and I've seen this on social. Can you guys and there's no, There's no real point doing this. No. You know, like some brands get credit, like an automotive brand doing it and they get credit and we like it. But unless they're doing it all the time, mm. you're, you're confusing to your consumers. So, and I don't think it's the only strategy that works. Like being consistent, like VaynerMedia, and we'll talk about the, the 4Ds event. They've got a skim and, and dive approach and the Gary, Vaynerchuk content modeling, he's got six or seven buckets. When I was doing social media, I used to have three, BPP, brand personality promotion, 25%, 50% personality and 25% promotion. Because if you'd say offers and deals all day, uh, competitions all day, people get bored. But you need, you also can't forget the brand. And you know, but the, on the loving thing, it's not a meme strategy. Meme, meme strategy accounts are good. I don't, I, I think if you're a meme account and there's some good ones mm -hmm. uh, here in Daquan in the US who a media publisher actually bought them and built a business around them. Just like, um, just like uh, if you know your niche, like Beautiful Destinations, if you travel and they now have a huge content team in New York. If you know your niche, you can make a media business out of it. Memes isn't our niche. Dubai and loving Dubai is our niche. And what that means, you take a step back and you go, what is Augustus as a new media company? And we had to define this. What brands would we create? You know, if we want to have many brands, do we do like um, ITP or other publishers or Condé Nast do? Do we, do we have vertical based? Do we have automotive, uh, sport, yeah. etc.? Or do we do passion led things? 
you know, or do we pick little niches? What we decided is we want mindset first brands. So um, I remember I was at New York, I was in New York a few uh, weeks ago and I was staying in Brooklyn with my brother and there was uh, an open air concert on and uh, I forget his name. Yeah, so there was uh, a rapper, uh, Burna Boy was, Okay. Do you know Bernard Boy? No. No, I didn't either, but apparently, <laughs> apparently he's popular. Okay. So he's a Nigerian rapper, popular in the US. And we went and it was, it was just a scene. It was like all people into that kind of music. Yeah. It was just incredible. Yeah. And I was trying to explain, Mike was like, my brother was like, would that be on Love? And I'm like, of course it would. Um, and that's how we've managed to hit 200 nationalities in Dubai because mm. loving your life is the brand. Living your best life, but loving your life, that's the mantra. So, you know, whenever we do media partnerships, it's not for thought leadership. We don't do media partnerships for performance-led sporting events. Anything about fun, food, memes, if, if loving your life is, is a mindset that people want. If people want to travel and Instagram, then that's a mindset. Smashy, Smashy is a, a live streaming platform. So a competitor, Netflix in one way, but they're, they're on, they're, these platforms are called OTT streaming, right? Um, Net, Disney are launching, etc. Uh, so we launched Smashy on social media last year and live streaming in March this year. Um, it's pan-Arab, it's only in Arabic, and we're going to do some cool stuff with AI to get live English in it. Um, but, you know, Bloomberg are launching Ashagra, I can't pronounce it properly, but they're launching, they've got, if anyone wants to work for Bloomberg in Arabic, they've got about a hundred jobs on their website. Okay. And I look at that and they're a small little team and that's what we're up against. But the thing about Bloomberg and CNN and CNBC, they're all 1989-ish companies and they were all built and they're all noisy um, TV screens with loads of tickers and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they're all built in a certain way, but they're business. Business is a vertical, it's not a mindset. It, things have evolved, you know? So we say for the driven, the dreamers and the doers, so smashy, the content that gets approved and the journalists need to hit that mindset. So it needs to hit everyone in an entrepreneur mindset, but every, everyone with a CEO mindset, everyone who's driven to perform in sports, in whatever, in, in learning is, is captured through smashy business second culture. So that's our strategy. And that's, that's how we know when to go with something. With the memes, if it's loving your life and it provides a little light emotion every day, boom. If the title, we always get adjectives in the title. We always get that emotive. It has to have that emotiveness in it. It's the number one rule. And the Smashy has to have that inspiration, has to. So we choose formats. Smashy are more like this, more long form interviews. Loving mm. doesn't have long form interviews. Sure. You know, is someone loving their life when they're listening to Joe Rogan for two hours? Not really, but when they're skimming through TikTok or et cetera, yeah. you know, and when they're at a, a Burning Boy concert, where they're, when they're doing a 2.5K fun run or they're yeah. doing a, um, an uh, obstacle race, but when they're doing a marathon like you do, yeah. Tom, or running for 20 million hours at night in the <laughs> desert, that's not really loving your life. Yeah. It's more like, yeah. And, I suppose that, and, that, and that brings us back to the, the point you mentioned earlier about diversification across your brands within your holding company, because you're, you're able to then touch within that same philosophy of, of mindset over uh, mindset, different mindsets as verticals, you're able to touch each of those across Smashy, across Loving, different formats that might sit across different verticals there, yeah. but all within the same ethos of the holding company. Exactly. Oh, and and the, the, this is a structural thing that we've done. We sit the content team together, yeah. even though they're different languages and yeah. 
different uh, skill sets and we sit the client service team together, it causes a little bit, oh, you know, because like, for example, with Lovin, with the PR industry, we don't, we, you know, we, we curate content. We don't yeah. go to press conferences mm -hmm. because we can get as much from tw tw Twitter and trending yeah. topics. We actually say what the public is saying on Lovin okay. as opposed to add a voice in a way. Okay. Whereas with Smashy, we'll do interviews all day. We'll okay. do, we'll build up to 50 interviews a day. So hmm. you, you kind of like, there is a little bit of a, uh, you know, you work with different things in different ways, but as long as you kind of uh, are very clear on that, then it can, okay. can work. Um, as a segment in one minute, what's next in the new media space? Uh, no, I think I kind of touched on it with the, with the, with the trends of where, you know, I sat down with, uh, Brian Morrissey at Digiday in New York as well. And he's yeah. very, like Digiday is an excellent podcast for new mm -hmm. media. They're a lot better. You know, if you, if you want to hear about TikTok, listen to, they bring on a, I can't remember her name, but there's a, a culture, um, a trends, a youth trend writer in the US, and maybe the New Yorker or one of these. And she speaks about what the kids are doing. You know, the, okay. the kind of all the VidCon groups yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So to see what's next is kind of watching what they're doing. Mm. I think TikTok is, is fascinating in that, um, you know the way that, like basically there's negative things said on platforms when they launch until people understand them. Twitter is saying what I'm having for breakfast, right? And people are yeah. like, oh, Twitter's, you know, because people who don't really get it. And uh, Snapchat is for sexting or whatever, people who don't really get it. Yeah. They say what TikTok is uh, for cringe content. Mm. So uh, dad's doing silly stuff, right? You don't really get it, right? So this is what they're saying, but the, but the clever marketing thing, TikTok spent a billion dollars on marketing last year. They're the highest downloaded app uh, in, in that space of time. And they spent it on uh, Instagram stories, Snapchat and Facebook, you Amazing. know, and, and Facebook took a while to wake up to that. And now they have all the audience. So, but as long as you're paying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are these TikTok guys? Yeah, 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 exactly, right, billion dollars. But, so, but their, their clever positioning is, they're actually saying that it's, it's not as hateful. They're saying yeah. it's not as nasty a space. Yes. But actually, that's just clever marketing. Mm -hmm. Like social media everywhere has a problem with uh, negativity and abuse, you know? There's, uh, element, there's elements of that across everything because at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's human interaction. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's really interesting to see what TikTok's doing in the market, certainly in the, in the local market here. Um, the numbers are through the roof. We had the guys in um, just the other day talking to, to our wider social team about, um, about a couple of campaigns that we're working on. So you've got, so clients are interested as well. They are, yeah, That's they really are. Um, you know, they, they are, it's uh, very much, uh, I mean, Dali, as you can say, I mean, it's an educational point to this. At this yeah, point. definitely. Everyone's just afraid to get into it first. They kind of just want to have other brands jump into it first, see what their content strategy is going to be. But I've seen a lot of successful, even local brands. Uh, jump into that like um, you have uh, Visit Dubai you have Emar big brands doing a lot of great content on TikTok yeah. um, I would say maybe the biggest challenge for these brands is TikTok is really not about you as a brand it's about what you're serving the audience and it goes yeah. back to what you were saying loving Dubai content is all about what the audience wants to see that concert yeah. that you attended in New York that's something mm -hmm. people want to see because people want to see that trap yeah yeah um, so yeah, I guess until brands go into that uh, perspective of like what, what they stop talking about themselves. Exactly. Until they fully get that social is definitely about that two-way conversation, yeah, not yeah. just 
this yeah. is my product by me. You know, and, and like we, like I, I identify with that. Like part of what we, we have to do is act like a client. Like with, with Love in Saudi, we launched Love in Saudi in September 1st, 2017. And we were the first foreign owned media company in Saudi Arabia, fully owned, right? So, but we were risk, we were taking a risk. So we played it safe. We kept the same reds. We uh, kept it in English. But then you have to look at the audience. Like, you know, everyone will tell you different views. And I'd worked in Saudi Arabia a lot. And we went for that niche, foreign educated uh, English. And we could sell and we could push Love and Saudi all day from Dubai. It would be on media agency plans, no problem. Because it's a bigger market and we can guarantee the page views, etc. But we knew that unless we change to the market, we won't be a brand that's, that identifies with, so that the public identify with. Yeah. There, there are many, not being critical, but there's many uh, media brands in the market who have st- huge, strong brand equity, but not actually user consumption magazine penetration. Okay. And, they, and they, you know, if you want to be on, I won't mention the brand names, but if you want to be associated with a certain brand, mm-hmm. uh, a lot is to do with their excellent integrity and equity, which is still there. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with legacy media brands. But if you really, and some of them are doing a good job at connecting with the audience. But uh, with Love and Saudi, like we basically changed it to green. We now only hire Saudi nationals. So 75% of our team in Riyadh are Saudi nationals. Um, and that's all we'll ever do. And we'll just mm. do it year after year for the next 10, 20, 30 years until, uh, and if Love and Saudi takes longer to be in the mindset as, it, as Love in Dubai is, fine. You know, but, but I'd much prefer to do it that way. I'd love, much prefer to get user proof than client revenue proof. You know, like if, if you, if people, when MenTV was big, people knew. When, you, when you're out with your friends and when you're talking, you know, you mentioned Insido, et cetera. Mm. Uh, you know, people, people know. People know, sure. you know, and the, the quality of work, excellent. The, the marketing strategy, excellent. But what's your, what does new media company, what's our vision? Or yeah. what's, what's our mission? What, our vision is something else, but I won't get that. But what's our mission? And what, what, like, what are we putting first? We really want people. We want to connect with the audience. And that allows us to go into new platforms and it allows us to push the boundaries and tell stories that people want to hear uh, within the loving uh, your life sort of, and that segues in nicely when you're speaking about your team in Saudi, how you're hiring Saudi nationals, how you're changing the business model from what you have here to what you have over there from a, let's say, an internal perspective at least um, and a culture perspective. How, um, how important is culture to you within the business? I mean, I, I, I know the answer to that. I know it is important. But rather, how, how are you seeing it change when you have a predominantly Saudi national team in Saudi. So you've got the distance to, to, to bridge there. You've got a, um, a very different culture in Saudi um, in, terms of the, uh, in terms of the national culture there in comparison to the team of people that you have hired here, which I've seen are, are nationalities from around the Gulf, around the world. Um, so how do, you, how do you bring all of that together and still have a holistic and strong culture yeah. within your business? You know, I say, alhamdulillah, touch wood, like we are, so lucky with our culture mm-hmm. uh, it's so important and I, I you know I use that term because basically it is about recognizing where we are it's yeah. about uh, diversity culture uh, Arabic integration yeah. cross region and that's you know that's the most important thing we have people come into our office and like I've never seen 
I don't know, but I've never seen people get, become friends so quickly. Yeah. And, uh, and what, do you, what do you do to encourage that? How are you? How are you? So if if you think in terms of answering the question, if there's if there's somebody that's that's running a small team within a business, or they're running a team as an entrepreneur, like what what things have you done to be able to? I've worked in get to that five, point? six, seven, eight agencies. Yeah. I worked under great MDs, different people. I I stamp out anything that I didn't work before. Mm. The simple, most important thing is for people to feel uncomfortable. I spoke to Jen, your brand manager, mm-hmm. and she said this morning that she prefers almost being here than at home. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing culture you've got. <laughs> now she's embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't, mean it, I didn't mean it in a, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes she sleeps on the sofa. <laughs> but, but, you can, but that's amazing. And you know, yeah. it's, you've created an amazing culture. And like that, and then, but how do you do, what do you do to do that? You, yeah, you have, Brand values and you infuse it and you encourage, yeah. but on, ne- on another sense, you stamp out the gossip, you yeah. stamp out the cliques. Mm-hmm. Don't have cliques. As yeah. soon as you have cliques, as yeah. soon as you have any, it's okay being friends, as soon as you have cliques in an office, one person feels like they don't belong. Have you ever gone to a, a gym? Have you ever gone to a bar mm-hmm. and felt like you didn't belong? You don't go back. Yeah. You know, if you if you for one second feel like you don't belong in a company, mm. it wasn't for me. I had an interview, didn't feel yeah. you're gone. You're, yeah. you're gone, and you're Check literally down. you're literally paralyzed at your desk, and you're not there. You don't care. Mm. So as as you know, and that's that's team building, that's football, that's sport, that's anything. So um, everyone's everyone's equal. Everyone gets the same uh, rewards. Everyone, it's all fair, and and equally. If they ever see favoritism, so cliques can lead to favoritism, or even the perceived perception, oh, they got that because they Mm. went drinking with, or they got, or they got, or like, I'm going back to the office today and I'm doing an exam uh, with nine staff, like literally, like my economics days of ABCD, they have 30 minutes with a piece of paper. Mm. Over the last two months, they had 23 hours to do an online digital Udemy course. All different departments, so from finance, and um, if they for a second, so the, the trip is, uh, the prizes, two people go to Budapest, at DigiDay Publisher Summit nice. in October in, um, yeah, yeah, Budapest, yeah. And uh, so, but if they for a second think that I choose a favorite, yeah. then like people think, people think, more damage oh, favor, it. oh, yeah, you yeah. know, let, let, do that for me or whatever, yeah. or give me a higher score, I need a bonus or whatever. Yeah. As soon as that seeps in, you've lost it, yeah. you know, because that, that, that seeps into culture very quickly. Yeah. You need to be so fair and you need to, and I act like an employee mm-hmm. all the time. And that, that's, you know, that I can fit to different values or whatever, but that's the answer. It's interesting. So it's, it's focusing on, in a, in a positive way, it's focusing on the negative side as much as the, the, the things that you can do proactively to grow the culture, but it's also focusing on, let's say the negative side and weeding out um, some of that negativity where you said like gossip and things like that and it's something that we, you know, we've had full team meetings and we've discussed that openly yeah. and I think open communication is what is is, um, is one way to shut down the rumour mill shut down gossip because if things happen and it's not discussed then people have their own opinions and they discuss that that can then start to build into yeah. something else so. and, and, and that's okay and like it, with human nation it's okay but just be aware of it you know like it's, it's okay to have chats it's okay to be upset like 
energies change. Like yeah. I, I, my energy changes. I like I'm the worst culprit of whatever. But then I revert back to the employee manual yeah. for the important decisions. Yeah. And if I feel high energy about something, I don't act on high energy. I act on the rule book. And then and then that can kind of then you then you know. So if anyone ever questions you, mm. I remember one guy one time someone was leaving. And they were like, uh, oh, last time when you flew me here, when you, when you did my annual trip, you gave me an Emirates flight and now you're doing another flight. It, you're treating me badly because I'm leaving. And I was like, no. And, and luckily, because of rule book, because of policy, and I always work on email, I, I have a, we, we checked three prices for every procurement, every third party supplier, unless we have a, a deal. And then, um, so a year ago, the he didn't know this, but the finance exec and the, the office manager and the finance director had checked and Emirates were at the same price as others hmm. in May, two years ago. Okay. So he, he got that flight for that price. Yeah. And I forwarded that email, so he said, ah, they are being fair and there is, uh, like a hundred percent difference in the requests I'm doing now, and yeah. as procurement as a business, they're doing this. And they so, why. so, so because it was documented, and because yeah. I'd proven that, and and my mentality to him wasn't to treat him badly because he's leaving. Sure. In fact, of course, it shouldn't be. In fact, I I want you know the point about culture is you want people to progress, yeah. and people get that. I genuinely want people to progress. I, I fully believe in career development. I, I was chatting to my brother works in a QS firm in the US and he's like, I prefer to be a carpenter. I'm like, mm. no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't because it wouldn't, you just ran a marathon with me and you want to do a half Ironman. You wouldn't yeah. actually be happy. Um, yeah. You can find a QS firm that allows you to be hands-on in yeah. a better environment. Many people say, I hate agency life. And they end up here, Tom, because you've got a better culture. <laughs> Many people say they, they hate agency life. They don't. They just hate the agency they're in. Yeah. You, know? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the agency life is bloody great. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it, it's always keeping you going. And, and like, I think that's important that we want people to progress. And if they go somewhere else, it's cool. And like, nine times out of ten, we end up in good terms. Uh, Sure, there's difficult situations that you have to deal with. But again, if you revert to the rule book, hmm. if you actually want someone to progress well afterwards, it helps you in those tricky emotive. Yeah. And it's important in building the, the, the brand culture as well. As people leave, we're also in a small market. Like you want to, people to be leaving on, a, on positive terms. You want them to look back and be like, that was a great time in my career and in my life. Like I enjoyed my time there. Sure. I've progressed. Through. Small market, but small world too. Yeah. 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 Small world too. Yeah. No, it is. And especially as we yeah. start to, as all of us are kind of scaling up a little bit and, and, and operating at a, at a higher level than where we were a few years ago. And therefore the people that we're working with from a client perspective, from a, from a team perspective. But um, mate, we're going to have to leave it there. But okay. thank you very much for coming on. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for, thanks for watching the show. Uh, Rich, really appreciate you coming Cheers, today and sharing your thoughts on your entrepreneurial journey and, um, and building what is you know one of the most significant media companies in the country. Amazing. It's a pleasure to be on, Tom. And very, again, very impressed with what you guys are doing here. Keep thanks up the good man. work. And Dali, thanks it's a lot. It's all this guy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks a lot. Amazing. <laughs>